0: Hello and welcome to Wandering Through the Word. I am not your host, Pastor Noah. I am Pastor Dan. Pastor Noah is currently unavailable. He is on the moon studying what is smaller than an atom. And with us today, we have a very special guest. We have Pastor David. Pastor David, do you have anything you want to say to our audience?
1: Hi, uh, well, I'm very glad to be here. I'm wondering through the word. Uh, this has been a great show. Listen to all two episodes so far, <laughs> so Thank you.
0: It's been awesome, um, And so, yeah, just really glad to be here. Awesome. Now, I don't remember the rest of Pastor Noah's normal introduction, so I'll try my best to MC today, and let's just jump right into the passage.: Therefore, you have no excuse, oh man. Every one of you who judges. From passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your heart and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there shall be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil the Jew first, and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God chose no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, They are law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness. And their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on the day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve of what is excellent because you are instructed by the law, You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? oh man that was a mouthful that was a lot and i'm sure if you're driving you're very confused right now so i hope you did not miss your exit on the freeway <laughs> now having said all that we just read a lot of verses and you might be wondering what did pastor dan just say what is roman saying and what does this have to do with me one of the things you might have caught is that it says a lot of things about the jews and uh, you might be wondering what does that have to do with us what does that have to do with us today in the church well, we're going to talk about that, but before we do, let me just show how this kind of uh, fits in with everything we've seen already in Romans. We started our podcast with Romans chapter 1, and we said the two main themes of the entire book of Romans is that the gospel is the power of God for the salvation for everyone who believes, and the righteous shall live by faith. I mean, last week, we saw how Because this righteous shall live by faith, and we went about, why is this so important? And we looked at our lives, the unrighteous live by the flesh, and that's us, the Gentiles. So those who are Gentiles, those who are outside the law, we live according to the flesh, so we are wrong. However, this week in Romans 2, we are seeing the flip side, which is just as important. If the unreligious need the gospel, what about the religious? And we're going to see this week that the religious people, the Jews, need the gospel just as much as the unreligious people do and we're going to use the concepts that we see here that paul writes to these religious people and apply it to our own lives one last thing for today's podcast i am going to make up a word called religionism and i'm going to explain this word later but without explaining this word i just want to summarize and show you the structure of how we're going to go over this today We're going to split chapter two into four parts. Religionism leads to judgmental faith. Religionism leads to hollow faith. Religionism leads to self-centered faith. And religionism leads to shame-filled faith. So judgmental, hollow, self-centered, shame-filled. All right, so with that, let's look at verse one. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, Every one of you who judges. And obviously, there's so many more verses after that. But that that first one kind of captures the entire uh, feeling of what we are talking about. You see, when we look at the world today, we look at their sins. We look at the people who don't know God. And we think to ourselves, oh my goodness, they are so sinful. We might even think that about people in the church. They are so sinful. Why can't they do things Right. And this is in a sense, remember we talked about in the first podcast, the world of Romans, we said the Jews were expelled from the Roman church and they came back in. And they, maybe they saw everything the gentiles were doing wrong again, or maybe this was just in their own hearts. And so these religious people, including us, all religious people have something inside of our hearts that make us feel as if we are more righteous. Than other others, we feel comfortable judging others. So for today's podcast, I'm going to make up a word. And this word is called religionism.
1: Religionism. Religionism.
0: <laughs> and Pastor David, you might be wondering, what is religionism? And you're wondering that because I just made it up. Yeah, I'm dying to know right <laughs> yeah, now. You're dying to know. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm going to define religionism as of religion where we think we are righteous because we are religious enough. Of mm. religion where we think we are righteous because we are religious enough. Maybe we think our faith is religious enough. Our works are religious enough. We think it's about doing enough right religious things, avoiding enough wrong religious things, and believing enough about god about religious things we think we're religious and so our faith is in our own actions in just being religious enough Mm -hmm. and we think if we are religious enough we are good and that is what i'm going to call religionism um before we move on is there anything you think about religionism pastor david
1: right well i think you've pretty much hit it on the head because when we look at this passage, I think essentially we can just say, oh, um, all right, well, you know, a lot of people like to use this passage as you can't judge me and, you know, we should never have any judging in the church. That's not necessarily true, um, but I think it's the motivation behind the judgment that's kind of important. And um, I think the judgment that's being talked about here is that there's an implication that the religionism people are are acting on the part of God uh, and they have a pride and a sense of looking down while a healthy judgment is used to correct for the sake of their benefit. Um, I think it's important to make that kind of distinction um, not to say oh I should never judge another person there's good healthy righteous judgment here um, but in this case I think it's important to know which Kind of judgment Paul is talking about. And I think religionism is a great way (laughs) to kind of uh,
0: encapsulate all of that. Amen. I'm so glad you brought that up because here in Romans 2, we're going to see Paul condemn a type of judgment. And what he's condemning is not all judgment because Jesus himself says, You shall know them by their fruit. And so in the Bible, we see there's a type of judgment that is not only allowed and permissible. It is something that's encouraged, and it's the type of judgment that we would call a proper assessment, a real assessment of what is someone's fruit, what is the outcome of someone's lifestyle, and so Jesus asked us to do that. However, here we are condemning wrong judgment, which is, as we said before with our made-up word, religionism, which is a type of judgment where you think, I am more religious than you, I am doing better than you, I am more holy than you. That is what Paul is condemning here. I'm so glad you brought up that distinction. And so we said, the gospel is the power of God and the righteous shall live by faith. Those are the two themes of Romans. And what we're going to see is last week, the gospel is the power of God and righteous shall live by faith. For the Gentiles, that's us, for those outside the law, but even the Jews, even those who are inside the law, the gospel is the power of God and the righteous, even for the Jews, must live by faith. It is not only the unreligious that need the gospel, but religious people need the gospel too. Religious people need to have faith in Jesus Christ too. And that is going to be our theme for today. Even the religious people desperately need the gospel. And so I hope that this podcast is very applicable for anyone who's been a Christian for a long time. You see, when someone is a Christian for a long time, for a while, they start to take their sins lightly. They no longer take it seriously. Now, there's a very popular story in the Bible that Jesus himself told. It's in Luke 15. It's called the prodigal son. And it's about a younger son who takes his inheritance, goes into the world, and sins as much as he wants. And he comes back, but the father receives him in love. However, in this story, there is actually an older son, and the older son felt like he did everything right. And when the younger son comes back and receives grace, the older son does not rejoice, but he gets very bitter. Now, I want to ask you a question, Pastor David. Mm -hmm. Um, You did write a song called 1520 that's based on this passage, and just listening to the lyrics, it's very imaginative and helps us really understand the heart. Of the younger son and the father Mm -hmm. but let me ask you if you were going to write a song about the older son's heart what are some things you would think about his heart or want to say about his heart right wow that's
1: such a good question yeah I think the older brother uh, as you're kind of comparing and contrasting the two I can see what the older brother might be feeling, especially since the younger brother already took his half of the inheritance, went off and spent it all. And here he is, he's coming back and the father is pouring out more, more to the brother. And I can also understand where the brother might start to feel territorial. And I think at the core of all of this is he's feeling it's not fair. I've been faithful, I've been diligent. I wasn't unwise with my resources. I kept going out and, and, and doing all the work that you asked from me and, and being a faithful and dutiful son. But I think at the end of it all, it really reveals something about the brother where he doesn't really understand who the father is. He's doing all the work. He's doing all the religious stuff if if we take this parallelism. He's doing everything that he's supposed to do, but he's forgetting his relationship with the father and knowing who he is. And it makes me really wonder if he really knew the father, wouldn't he respond similarly to how the father is, bringing him in, being happy that his brother is back, but you see a totally different outcome. And you can kind of see how this... Just religionism can lead to a lot of selfishness and territorialism.
0: Amen. So when we look at um, Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, we see a lot of these things here. And the way I would summarize this whole first section before I go back and we go even deeper into this so that we can both grow as Christians together, I would summarize this entire section as religionism leads... To judgmental faith. Now, this is a bad type of judgment. Religionism leads to judgmental faith. Mm. And I think what Pastor David said was very good because it shows one of the reasons why we might start out well, but go down this road of religionism is we start keeping tally of all the good we've done. Mm. We start looking at all the good we've done. And when we start focusing on all the good we've done, we start to think we're better than those. have done less good or who might even do bad yeah and we start looking down on others and dare i say sometimes we even start hating them we get angry at those who can't live the way we do we get bitter and frustrated by them Mm. and this is very dangerous because when we start thinking that everyone else is the issue then we start forgetting that we too were the issue too We start thinking everyone else needs Jesus, and we start forgetting that we need Jesus too. This is a very big danger, very real danger, and I like what you said. I want to go even further with the older son with his heart. We start keeping track of all the good we've done, and kind of like what you said. You said the younger son got all these things, and the older son felt like he did not get a proportional amount of -hmm. all these things. Now, what's crazy is that what the older son wants is exactly what the younger son got too, And both of it is from the father. If you think about that, the as much as it is the culture, the older son is trying to get something from God. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the father. The older son is trying to get that. Mm-hmm. And here's the craziest thing. He thinks, because I did good, you need to give me this. Yeah. It's not love, it's control. The older son wants to control God. And I think sometimes in our hearts, we get so hard hearted that we want to control God with our actions.
1: Mm.
0: We, we think, God, I, did th- I was good. I, visit- I did this for you, I sacrificed that. Mm. I did so much good for you, God, you have to give me this. And so we try to control God, which is such a blasphemy, but we don't see that in our hearts. We try to control God, and then when we cannot control God, we start getting angry when God loves others, when God blesses others, because we couldn't control him. And this is a very dangerous place to be in. But this is what happens to our hearts, so we have to be very careful and cautious with religionism. Religionism leads to a judgmental heart, and we judge others, but if we're honest, sometimes in our hearts we judge God because we think God wasn't good enough to us. We think we gave God more than he gave us, and we forget the great amount of mercy that he's showing us. Mm. Now, normally, we might move on to the next passage, but before moving on to the next passage, I just want to give a little bit of encouragement to anyone listening to this, and you feel like this is you. If you have been a Christian for a long time, and you feel like your heart is hardening, if you feel like you are falling in to religionism, if you are judging others and trying to control God, if you think everyone is bad, let me encourage you with this truth, the righteous shall live by faith. You are not okay apart from Jesus. Our sins are just as bad as everyone else. We are part of the problem too. We need a savior too. We need to be very careful to repent. And you'll see this if you, when you have the chance, when you get home, if you read verses one through five. It adds extra weight to our wickedness because the entire first section, verses one through five, is starting to talk about every time you judge someone spiritually, you are condemning yourself. And what it means is. If you are spiritually well enough to know when someone else is sinning, and if you know how bad sin is, why do you keep sinning? And it judges you because you know how bad these things are, yet you sin too. So in judging others, you are condemning yourself. That's what the first five verses is talking about. We should know better, but we do worse. So I want that. It's not meant to hurt you or condemn you but it's meant to humble you and bring you back to repentance we are pro- part of the problem too and we need righteousness by faith just like everyone else it's not everyone else is the issue and the problem we are the problem too and we need grace and the savior too so moving along we see in verse 6 through uh, 16 uh, it's going to keep pushing this idea forward. Now, I use some of 6 through 10 for the previous passage, but 6 through 16, it's going to keep pushing this idea forward about um, these Jews, they should know better. These uh, spiritual people, religious people, they should know better, mm-hmm. but they are not living according to what they know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: For myself, there's a question, just to apply this passage, there's a question I always have to ask myself. Do I... Know more than I believe. You see, because in the Christian life, it's easy to focus so much on, am I being spiritually fed? And we try so much to learn more and more and more and more. But let me ask you, are you trying to learn more than you actually believe right now? How much of the things you know about God do you actually believe about God? How much of the things you know about the Bible do you actually trust? Do you know more than you actually believe? And it's good to know more, but so often we see people who focus just on being spiritually fed without focusing on spiritually obeying. And what we see here in these passages is that ultimately, judgment will be fair. We spend so much time wondering how someone else is going to be judged how God is going to judge someone who never heard, or how God is going to judge someone who's outside the church, and we ask all sorts of things. But here it says don't worry about that. Worry about yourself. Because many of us within the church, we know much more than we are actually believing. We know much more truth than we actually believe. And so it's actually much more dangerous for us So Pastor David, is there anything that you would like to add to what we went over right now in this discussion?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, we see this all the time in church, right? We see uh, people learning about the Bible, but we don't actually see it really changing their lives or affecting their lives in any ways because they're just learning and gaining. And it's it's a point of, oh, I know so much, but we don't see God-fearing obedience come out of it. I'm just personally, for me, uh, I grew up as a pastor's kid and, you know, uh, (laughs) this is embarrassing, but I would be the kid that would raise his hand all the time when, you know, Sunday school rolled around. I had all the answers, you know, not just the typical, hey, what is this? And every, every kid answers, Jesus, but, you know, like I would get into like, yeah, Jesus and, and, and you know, like we would go in depth into that. Um, I sh- I'm sure I annoyed so many uh Sunday school teachers out there, but you know, but even though I, I grew up knowing all of this and and knowing so much about the Bible at that age, I wouldn't say I was Christian until I was 15, right? It the gospel didn't affect me, it didn't change my heart in any way, uh, until. I saw how low I really was. Um, I saw this knowledge puffing me up. I saw how this was uh, a front I was putting up where I I puffed myself up, flexing on all my uh, fellow youth kids and stuff, but it didn't change me in any way. And so what we see is how we can't always just rely on knowledge being the measure of spiritual growth. It needs to show in our fruit and needs to show in our obedience. And it, it just can't be religiosity, uh,
0: knowing so much in our heads, but it has to really show in our daily lives. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing about your own personal experience, especially from being a pastor's kid, because we're going to actually go into that uh, in a similar idea in the next passage. So um, for those of you who are listening, who are trying to imagine what's happening um, So for the first 16 verses, um, even though there there is a lot here, we're just summarizing it as religionism leads to judgmental faith. And we went over what's wrong about that and how that builds in our heart, especially something we have to be careful of if we have been a Christian for a while, because it can really build in our hearts and harden our hearts. And the solution, once again, is the righteous shall live by faith. We are humbling ourselves, knowing that one day God will judge the secrets of men's heart by Jesus Christ. We see in verse 16. So we need to humble ourselves because in the same way, we, if we want to condemn and judge others, our hearts will be exposed as well.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: So that's the first section that we're going to see. The next section we see is it builds up in verse 17 through 22. Now, um, obviously, you can't see this because you're probably driving. However, uh, it seems similar to what we just read. But it starts going, if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and it starts talking about all these things about the law and all this stuff like that. Now, I know this kind of seems similar uh, to everything we've been talking about, but it's slightly different because even though uh, Pastor David and I have been talking about it, this is actually a little bit different because this is where the Apostle Paul and Romans now start specifically talking about the Jews. Before, it was more like a religious in general, even though it was implied about the Jews, but now we are more explicitly calling out the Jews for their things. And now what we see here is the first important thing is that Paul is not saying, that there's anything wrong with being a Jew. He's not saying that there's anything intrinsically wrong with that here in in our passage. But as we keep reading this passage over and over, you will see that the issue is that these Jews see themselves as one way spiritually, in a good way, when they are another way spiritually. They see themselves as good and righteous, even though they are not and they are quite proud of their identity spiritually as Jews even though they are not walking rightly with God and that's the issue Paul has Paul does not have an issue with them being Jews but Paul has an issue with them using their identity that they have nationally and ethnically using that identity to comfort themselves spiritually even though they are not walking In Christ not walking with God now this section here is written specifically to the Jews uh, as we were talking about however we must still learn to apply this to our own hearts are there things in your life that make you feel proud before other spiritual people proud in your own spiritual identity apart from Christ are there titles that you have that make you feel safe? Mm. Do you have a spiritual identity and comfort in your works? Let me give you an example. Do you feel as if you are okay with God because you did your QTs today? Mm. Do you feel as if, oh, that somehow you are holier than others because you are a pastor or a praise leader or you serve somewhere?
1: Mm.
0: Do you hide behind your titles or your works But titles and works, as we see in this second section, do not give a spirituality. And here's the second big danger of religionism religionism leads to hollow faith. So, in the first section we went over, it leads to uh, judgmental faith, but now we see it also leads to hollow faith. It means you have this outside, this external, this title. But the inside isn't there. And sometimes you're not thinking about the inside because you think the outside is good enough. Is there anything you, you think about this or want to add to this, Pastor David?
1: Yeah, like you said, it is specifically to the Jew, but I, I just love how how Paul like builds them up only to crush them down in this fast. Like these are such flowery turns, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a guide to the blind a light to those who are in darkness an instructor of the foolish a teacher of children and
0: then like he goes on and then he says do you not teach yourself (laughs) amen actually i'm so glad you brought that up because it's very similar to what we saw in the first few passages where it's paul saying you act like you should know better but you're not acting better yeah Yeah. paul
1: is sometimes oh he's the most savage (laughs) um and it's it's kind of funny, though. He he never condemns, um, like you said, uh, this role of being a Jew. And uh, I think it's such a important part because I think the Jewish people know that they were supposed to be a representation of God to the nations. Um, that was one of the main roles of them being God's people. But the fact that they're not representing Christ properly in this way shows how hollow they are on the inside, that they've completely missed the point of what them being a Jew was supposed to be in the first place. And so that's why in verse 24, it's so poignant when it says, as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Wow, they've accomplished the complete opposite of what God has tasked them. It should be piercing them
0: of, wow, we've totally failed in what God has called us to. Amen. I'm. I just want to take what you said near the end and really expand that for all our listeners. That's so important. I. I think you just really hit it on the head in verse twenty four. When it says the name of God is blasphemy among you, and you said the point of having the oracles and the teachings of God was to be a light to the world,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but instead of being a light to the world, they made it all about their religionism, all about their spirituality, and Christian you are in danger of doing the same thing as well. The point of you having the gospel and the Bible and all this knowledge is for you to be a light to the world. But if you make it all about how spiritual you are, all about how you feel, all about your emotions, all about your spiritual experiences, you, like them, are in danger of hollow faith. You lack the inside you lack the being a light in a world of darkness because it's not about just this this external shine that I might have it's about reaching the loss it's about bringing Christ to the loss So that leads to our third thing religionism leads to self-centered faith we're no longer thinking about how to be a light to the world We're thinking about how we can benefit ourselves or experience things ourselves. or it's all about our kingdom, our experience, our life, our comfort. And so religionism really destroys this loving heart of the gospel that wants to reach out. And it becomes all about amassing for ourselves some sort of experience in life we think is just good enough. But that's not what the Bible is about, and that's not what the gospel is for. It's not about us just building this comfortable enough life. It's about reaching out and being a light to the world. Now, with that, we see in the last section, verse 25 through 29, it starts talking about circumcision indeed is a value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. If a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. And so we see this idea here that, yes, having the symbol of the covenant is so good, but it's not good in itself if you are not walking in this covenant back then. If you don't really care about the covenant, what's the point of boasting in the symbol of the covenant? Boasting that you're in it when you're not really in it. And this is the last danger of religionism I want to talk about. Religionism naturally leads to shame-filled faith. Shame-filled. Because you will always talk about what is right and know what is right while you keep doing wrong. You will naturally be ashamed because you know what is right, but you will keep pursuing what is wrong. And in the end of it, you might end up, as some Christians do, hating yourself because you feel so ashamed of yourself. You might even start hating God for putting such a burden on you, even though he never did. You might start Hating the church because you feel like they are expecting something from you even though they are not. And on top of that, the world will hate you for being such a hypocrite. Religionism naturally leads to a shame-filled faith. Because we will know what is right, but we will keep doing what is wrong. And we will feel like such fools and such fake people. Religionism kills faith.
1: I think that's that's so good, especially since uh, with judgment, a lot of times we think it's uh, or the temptation is to believe that it's elevating ourselves, right? It's it's adding more to who we are um, as we bring other people down. As we think more lowly about them, we feel for at least a split second a bit of elevation, but secretly, what it's doing to our hearts is it's actually bringing us way lower and it's killing us on the inside. So that's the, the trickiness of that sinfulness is, is kind of
0: crazy. Yes, sin makes us feel like we're going up, but we're actually going down. Yeah. It makes us feel like we're going up, but we're actually going down. And the reason why is because when our eyes are looking from sin's perspective, we are looking at the world upside down. So what, when sin makes us look like we are building up, we're actually going more and more down. Sin is very tricky like that. Mm. And only when we look at it from God's perspective are we looking at it right side up, and we see how sin breaks us down. So with that, we have seen and we have summarized Romans 2 with four types or four ways religionism affects our faith religionism leads to a judgmental faith it leads to a hollow faith it leads to a self-centered faith and lastly to a shame-filled faith that's very depressing (laughs) but once again the hope is in the gospel Mm. verse 29 for those and this is encouragement for Not just the Jews back then, but for us as well. Paul's writing this not just to them, but for our hearts, our religious hearts. A Jew is one inwardly and circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Now, that's what I want you to see. Ultimately, we are made right and our hearts are brought closer to God not by our work of religionism but by the spirit the righteous shall live by faith this is why we should flee from religionism this is why we should run to the cross and to repentance religionism kills faith and the righteous shall live by faith but through repentance we kill religionism and we come alive in faith it's by the spirit by the Spirit alone. The gospel alone is the only thing that makes us righteous before God. And here's the beautiful thing, the righteous shall live by faith. Kind of like what Pastor David was sharing. A lot of times we do these actions and we feel like we're being made more right, but we're not. But when we are made right by the Spirit, look at the last sentence, that last phrase of Romans 2. His praise is not from man, but from God. God himself says good things about you when you are made right by the gospel. The way to get God's love and praise is not by your works, not by your goodness, not by your record of right, but through the gospel, by trusting in Jesus Christ. By trusting in Jesus Christ, we have more righteousness from god than we could ever have from religionism the end of religionism is death and destruction the end of the gospel is praise from god himself well done good and faithful servant and so paul is calling and begging his jewish readers turn away from the faith you have in religion Turn away from the faith you have in yourself and these external things and turn to faith in the Spirit, in Jesus Christ himself. And you have to understand this must have been a very hard thing because once again, like we said in the first podcast, it's so offensive to say, I have nothing good in myself. It's so offensive to say, I cannot save myself and just come freely to Jesus Christ. But Paul is beckoning his Jewish audience, please, Come to Jesus Christ. He is better. Search for His praise, not your own. Do you have any thoughts or questions about that?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think uh, what you said about um, how our eyes are set on on sin and how it's like upside down is is so good because it also points to where our eyes are pointed to when we are in judgment because. Mm-hmm when it says his praise is not from man, but from God, it's also pointing to the perspective the Jews are having that they're pointing their eyes, not on God, but they're pointing their eyes on their fellow man. And how can they push themselves over the other person? How can they push themselves over um, yeah, their brothers and sisters who they're supposed to be running with? Mm -hmm. And what we have to remember is, if we really believe that the gospel is the only thing that saves us, is the only thing that makes us righteous, um, then we're all on a level playing field, mm-hmm. right? We're we're all on the same page. We're all on the same platform. Uh, and for us to try to elevate ourselves into these tiny little increments that are microscopic, mm-hmm. uh, smaller than an atom, um, <laughs> these little small measurements wow we're we're missing the big picture because how much more beautiful is it to hear praise from god Mm -hmm. are we really working so hard Mm -hmm. to hear a little bit of praise from our brothers and sisters and say oh yeah you're so much better than that person Mm -hmm. but instead hearing wanting to hear the voice of god saying this is my child Mm -hmm. i love look how beautiful he is look at Mm -hmm. you know all this and that like wow, how much do we trade a beautiful, awesome, supernatural, mighty thing, trade that in for something so cheap? Mm. And essentially, I think judgment is, that's what we're doing here. We're, we're trading in the beauty of the gospel for something so cheap.
0: The idea of a race is so good especially just like what you said when we look at the end, his praise is not from man, but from God. And religionism makes us run this race against each other. And so we judge how someone else runs. Or we try to sabotage someone so we will be ahead of them. Wouldn't it be so much more beautiful, not how fast or how well we run, but wouldn't it be more beautiful if we try to help even more people finish the race is isn't that what true faith is about the kingdom of god is about it's not just about oh look i'm faster than this guy or look at how everyone else is messing up but me isn't it isn't the point of this christian community all about helping other people finish the race too
1: yeah um and i'm I'm thinking back on that video that you showed uh I think like a couple months ago of, you know, the, the runner that, what what was it? He He tore tore his hamstring or something like that. He tore his hamstring. And you know, when you consider a race, you would think everybody is running for the medal, but at the end of the day, what is the medal supposed to represent? It's supposed to represent glory, but that race, I have no idea who won that race I don't know who came in second or third, but that story of the father helping his son finish the race, I think that's more glorious and the more resounding story than whoever won that race. And if the whole point of running this race is, is, in this context, glory, then they've won. You know, the father and the son have won. It doesn't matter at the end who was first, second, or third. It's that story that's going to resonate and resound throughout the annals of history. And so you're you're right. I think the fact that we have to bring our brothers and sisters along the race, that's going to bring way more glory than who can run faster and better.
0: Amen. Uh, Pastor David, we are going to start wrapping up now for the sake of uh, time, I'm sure most of our drivers are on the, almost on their way home, unless they're driving on the 5, which is still under construction <laughs> until eternity. With that, let me summarize Romans 2 for all our listeners and how it fits into what we went over. So we started with Romans 1 talking about the theme, which is the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, and the righteous shall live by faith. And last week, we saw how those who don't have the law, which is us, the Gentiles, how we live by the flesh, not by faith, and how we our lives are so filled with unrighteousness that we need God to save us from it. Today, we saw the other side, that it's not only the uh, unreligious, but also the religious who also need the gospel, specifically here to Jews, but we're going to apply it to all very religious people, even those who have grown up in church. And we talked about how religionism, it destroys faith and how we need the gospel to have true faith. And so with that, I want to end with a question for all our audience members. Which of the four ways do you think religionism affects your heart? Do you think you feel religionism leading you to a judgmental faith, like we said with the older brother in the prodigal son story? Do you feel like it's leading you to a hollow faith when you start just looking at the external works or titles you might have and you think you're good enough? Does it lead you to a self-centered faith where you are supposed to be a light but you are not being a light and you are just focusing on yourself? Or does it lead to a shame-filled faith where you feel like you know what's right but you always do what's wrong and you are filled with uh, shame and you are angry at yourself and God and everyone else? Or like all multiple choice, all of the above. <laughs> all of the above. It's all, all for. <laughs> Amen. So thank you guys so much. Actually, I want to add, as you look at the religionism question, ask yourself now, this is the most important part. How does the gospel help dismantle religionism in your heart today? Meditate and pray on that. And we hope to see you guys next week.